0: Welcome to Therapists Uncensored, a podcast where therapists freely speak their minds about real-life matters.
1: Hi, I'm Patty Alnwell. I'm here with my co-hosts, Ann Kelly and Sue Marriott. And with the election going on right now, we thought it'd be a great time to talk about power and influence. So... Join us and listen.
2: It is such a timely thing to talk about power and influence. People get so um, caught up with the concept of power, and there's this plethora of research in the idea of power and politics. But There's just power in every relationship that we have, power and influence, whether it's with our spouse or our children. Like, how do you...
1: Or our employees or bosses.
2: Yeah. Or our presidential candidates. <laughs> <laughs> It just, it's going to be hard to not get right into the politics of this.
0: Well, it's really, it's actually been so powerful in my, um, in my private practice and then also personally and with our kids. It, there's nothing more passionate than some of what we're seeing on the national stage. And I know we're going to talk about this um, individually and more personally, but there is no getting around the passions and the traumas that are really being stirred up by seeing this behaviorally and physically and um, emotionally and being able to name what's, you know, what we're seeing played out. So, and you know, when we talk about that this is a podcast about promoting security and then we're seeing security, um, and the lack of security or the intentional erosion of security played out um, you know then I, we can't not talk about it
2: Oh we especially if we're going to be really specific in the last debate in the second debate to be specific between Trump and Clinton, you saw such a playing out of the idea of who is going to appear the most powerful and how do you appear powerful and yet it, everyone was so stirred up or most of us were very stirred up because it was activating a really deep dynamic in us that is felt very threatening. Like there was nothing safe happening in that stage, and in it was some, not, it was not promoting security. There That's was not. no promotion of security,
1: and it was really primitive.
2: Yeah, I mean,
0: it was not yeah. higher. Our, our amygdalas were all on fire. <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
1: oh
2: my gosh! Well, our and reptilian was, brains were <laughs> lit up. And the, the interesting thing is, is I've been dying to talk about this with regard to uh, to relationships, parent, child, and couples, because there's such uh, a concept of how do you maintain personal power inside yourself in any relationship you have, and how is power related to influence? So I want to get started just, just on that concept. I want to talk about us to, to talk about... What is the difference between power and influence and how do they relate? If you look at research on power, it is often, it's actually defined, interestingly enough, in research as the ability to influence with resist, while resisting the influence of the other. Wow. If you think about that, let that sink in. The power to influence while being able to resist the influence of others. And well,
0: that's interesting, because I think of, like, I, again, don't want to specifically get um, just political, but, like, I think of Obama, our world right. leader currently, who's a, a seen and has a very high approval rating and is seen as very powerful, um, but I don't perceive him necessarily as not, uh, as, like, resisting the influence of other people or...
2: Exactly. Because what you might then, that's kind of why I wanted, I think it's really important for us to talk about what is the difference between power in and of itself and power as an influencer, as to be able to influence somebody. And you can have power and yet exert a really wonderful aspect of influence. So that's why I wanted to talk about the difference. So maybe let me clarify the difference of what I'm speaking up when I talk about power versus being able to, to, to be influential with somebody while in a relationship. So, you know, a really core definition of power and one that you can see played out and in relationships, um, in different ways, even if you don't mean for it to is the, when one person is able, because they hold resources basically to change somebody's behavior, because there's a threat of withdrawal of resources, So in other words, I feel, I want to feel powerful. I don't have trust that I actually can influence you. So instead I'm going to exert a sense of power over you, whether it's because I have authority to fire you, to um, coerce you, to remove, if we get more relational, to withdraw from you, remove my affection from you. So therefore you end up getting the person who feels less powerful in the relationship to comply, but it's not voluntary. It's not a voluntary compliance. It's I I'm complying out of fear as opposed to an influence, a power through influence and a power through influence would be more like thinking about, I want to influence somebody and it's, it's a voluntary change. It's a change that you're going to give. I'm going to be able to ask you for something but I'm going to ask it for you in such a way that you feel valuable, and we, that I'm working on helping you change the way you perceive things or maybe behave. But it's voluntary; it's given to me instead of taken.
1: You know, and the word that comes up for me when you describe that is it's negotiated.
2: Yes, it's work through. There's in the end, it involves trust, it's and so not
1: a one-way street.
2: Exactly, and I think sometimes we can unintentionally get involved in our in a power struggle in all sorts of relationships with our children if we fear that we can't get influence them without exerting our power or our partner our siblings,
1: you know John Gottman talks about this a lot; he calls it resisting influence, and his analogy is or his image that he calls up is um, sort of somebody lobs a suggestion at you and you bat it away, right? And they lob another suggestion and you bat it away. And, you know, this is a dynamic
0: that shows up in some couples a lot. Right. And the the way I think, you know, power isn't bad. That, like, there's somebody in any dyad has to take a supportive position. Mm -hmm. And it's a valuable position to take. But I think that what you're saying is if it's, like, like what you said, Patty, is if it's negotiated and if it's valued, that that, that you're being supported. So I think about... Um, and it's given. And if it's shared and given, right. right. So, you can
2: give your power in a way where you feel trust and you feel a wanting to give it rather right. than it being evoked out of fear. Right,
0: because so I think about in many couples there's one... One person of the couple that will typically control the remote control, you know, <laughs> and interrupt a little more and be the decision maker and things like that. Not, and it's just, and that same person maybe at work is more of the, is in the support position perhaps. Um, and so there's these very subtle power dynamics that happen that are related to um, the perception of power in the relationship, whether that be often related to income or perceived status and the relationship. It's not always gender. It can be gender. You know, I also think that in some
1: couples, it flips based on subject matter. Right. That, you know, one person has more power around finances, maybe, and another person has more power around how the kids are raised. And another person really cares about what the house looks like and how it's decorated and where they live. So I don't, a lot of couples, I think, flip back and forth.
2: Right. I think and that's it, really natural in a relationship. You need to share. You can't have, when we talk about influence, we're not trying to talk about equality, that everything's divided fairly, that we have 50% decision-making on how every child decision is made, or it's, it's the perception that you're valued in your opinion, in your thoughts about that, that you feel valued and that you're willingly giving that up instead of that you have no voice. I think if you really stop to think about it, I might willingly give up the financial flowing with the financial decisions, but it's because I have trust and I feel valued.
0: Yeah. But to dig a little deeper about what the problem is here is this all sounds nice and sweet. However, (laughs) Uh, you know, when the rubber hits the road, there are times where I don't want to give up power. Exactly. And as a matter of fact, to let you influence me feels quite threatening. Like I'm giving up something quite vital. Mm -hmm. And I think some of that is what we're seeing on the national level. Um, you know, on a number of levels, um, you know, really whatever demographic, you know, the, the police officer concerned about their own safety, the person pulled over very concerned about their own safety.
2: Right. Um, You you don't have trust.
0: Absolutely. There's a safety thing. And, but, but so compassionately looking at the person who is, um, there's someone bidding to have influence. And if the person who is in power feels threatened, and I'm not saying there's an actual threat, but if that if there's a percent, you know, if that amygdala is firing and Jaws music is going, it's going to be very hard to get into this free flowing, sweet state that we were just talking about of negotiating right. um, influence. And I think that's some of what you're getting at is, um, you know, that, that's when it gets a little dark.
2: Well, I think it's, it gets it can get dark in lots of different ways. Yeah. You're making a really good point, Sue, and I you know kind of invite the listeners to think about whether. Uh, whether you feel safety and that can be evoked inside you. It's not always evoked by somebody else. Right. It could be, you might be afraid to have power because you don't trust yourself and you willingly, oh, that's a great point. you willingly give it away. And then yeah. we can give, willingly give away a power. <laughs> here, take
0: the wheel here. Take please. The wheel.
2: <laughs> and then, then find ourselves voiceless and a little resentful. Right about I it. can't
0: believe you're driving that way here, take the wheel <laughs> take the, here, take the wheel. <laughs> why are we going there i, I <laughs> this think, restaurant is terrible <laughs> right
1: i I was thinking of the restaurant example, we all know people who where do you want to go eat? Well, how about this? No, how no. about this? no, or
2: this service is terrible. <laughs> this food is terrible <laughs> so I think the idea of how and I don't think it's i don't think it's all one way or the other. I think there's right. very few relationships there may there are some where one person exponentially dominates the other person. And that's a really important topic, but we're talking about how does power go back and forth in any kind of relationship. And so, um, sometimes we willingly give it up and then we don't even realize we do it because we're used to maintaining more of a submissive role. And maybe we have fear of our own authority Sometimes we take power because we're afraid. If we don't, we don't have trust that somebody's going to take care of our own interest. And I, I think that I can see that happening a lot. Like it, the fear of being controlled is a really big concept. If I give up my power and I don't state it, then I'm going to lose something. And then that creates rigidity a, rigidity, mm-hmm. and a sense of, of fear.
1: Well, and I, I also thinking couples that have been together for a long time, people have trained their partner to treat them in a certain way. And then at some point it's like unacceptable. Mm-hmm. You know, they've changed their, mm-hmm. the circumstances have changed and then it's really hard because they've gotten sort of frozen in this position and it's, you know, they really want to take back control of certain things and they can.
2: Exactly. And then I think it's easy to feel resentment that you gave it up in the first place. And I think sometimes tuning into whether you you feel a sense of resentment in your body in any relationship you're having, whether it's with your mother or that it's likely an indication you're giving something up and a desire to kind of touch back in to what is it that you're giving up. Um, you know, the interesting thing about some research on on power as well is that, you know, we don't want to give it up because there's, uh, there's a lot of self... Um, Stimulation and the feeling of power, and some research out of Berkeley, um, it, UC Berkeley, makes the point that actually inducing and having a great deal of power, and the feeling of power brings out a reaction in your left uh, frontal lobe that it really activates and simulates almost brain damage. The interesting thing is the frontal lobe damage it because of the production of dopamine. And it actually induces this feeling, um, that it's similar to frontal lobe damage where somebody has very little impulse control, less care for another person. Um, and, and so in some ways, if we're giving up our power and and not holding our own authority and giving it to somebody important to us, we actually can evoke something in them that's not that healthy, that maybe not even wanted Because if you give up your power and the other person starts to feel powerful, it sometimes induces something in that person that actually is not loving inside them.
0: Totally get what you're saying. It's, you know, some people are really, again, I don't want to be too esoteric. Like, if I feel, let's just bring it down to real, right? If I feel a vacuum of power, I almost can't help it. It feels like Hoover vacuum. I will suck it up and will and we'll take up that space. And I, it's not that I'm trying to control the situation. It's just, I don't know if it's the caretaker in me or what have you, but I will take charge. And you're right. It's not that I'm trying to drive. It's just that I see swerving on the road and I will, I will do it. You'll absorb it. I will yeah. absorb it. And so there is something, and another, other language for this is like an under functioner and an over functioner. Mm-hmm. This is something that I've thought a lot about. And, like, I don't want to overfunction, and, in a sense, be in that control position. Um, but um, if I do that even a little bit and then somebody is a little intimidated and, and like, oh, I can't do it, like, if I say, uh, if I come behind you and redo the dishes out of the dishwasher, like, oh, here, let me do it a little better than you, which is really just means my way, (laughs) not actually (laughs) any better, not (laughs) not actually any better, then you're going to be a little inhibited to do the dishes. And so you might hang back. And so then I see you hanging back. And so I'm going to do the dishes and be a little upset about it, but I'm going to do it. And then you're really going to hang back because I'm a little grumpy about it. And then, you see what I'm saying? Now we've got this little thing going and then you're going to be hanging back drinking an umbrella drink while I'm doing the dishes. Getting a little <laughs> like, what, then what the I'm hell? Really, I'm going to be doing the dishes and the kitchen and the floor. And um, then you're really going to be scared of me because I'm like this whirlwind in the kitchen, <laughs> right? And, and all I see is this underfunctioning, and all you see is this tornado. And I can't. It's very hard for me to see what I'm doing to contribute to the underfunctioning, and and what my perceived, my perception of what's going on is, I need nothing, and you're the needy person that isn't doing anything, and in a way, I can even make you feel that too, like I don't need anything, and um, as a matter of fact, you're just getting in the way if you came in the kitchen.
1: It's sort of interesting because I almost see a flip of
0: that though, mm-hmm.
1: which is. Um, that we focus so much on others, other people's needs, that right. we don't recognize our own needs. Oh, that's and, what I'm saying. Right. Right. But you're saying it as you're taking power. I'm seeing it. There's a side of that with
0: some people that they're giving up their power. Oh, I think I am. Right. Like I'm not aware. Um, I totally agree. It's it's another. It's just another lens on it. But I'm saying the same exact thing. That it's a defense against me feeling my own needs. Right and um it's aggressive that so caretaking like that kind of over-functioning which we're calling on one hand is controlling because it is and and all i got excited about this because it's this idea of filling a vacuum and how that the underfunctioner can create this sucking sound <laughs> that can <laughs> involuntarily pull us into this space
1: well what i love also is if you think about this in a relationship where somebody is overfunctioning and not paying attention to their own needs, and the other person starts to not pay attention to that person's needs, needs either, either right. and not being very we, empathetic or right. compassionate, which is what you were talking about with uh, um, the impact on the prefrontal the, the cortex.
2: cortex, yeah, once you, you know, start exactly. to get activated right. and... There's this feeling of, and there is a feeling when you feel power and you feel powerful, it is inducing. It's like there's something very seductive about the feeling. It is something very seductive. (laughs) You you
1: start to believe that your needs are the first and most important and
0: that everyone should be helping you fulfill them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's tricky or that you're, that you don't have needs, which is kind of what you were saying. In other words, you don't feel your need to be helped. You don't feel your need that you're tired. Right, but that
1: person I don't think is getting the dopamine rush to their prefrontal cortex. I think it's the other half of that couple.
0: Yes, I would agree. Well, I'm talking about the overfunctioner.
2: Yes. Right. Right, right. Right. Well, and the the person with, and, and to think about it too, the person, if you happen to find yourself in that role or that position where you feel like you keep kind of accommodating somebody else, and- oftentimes we can see that we're accommodating, but I have to accommodate. If not, the person is going to get angry or frustrated or feel horrible. Like there's some negative consequence. So now I have to accommodate other, because I've got to avoid that negative feeling coming at me. So then I'm letting myself give up my, my sense of power and influence just to avoid that negative aspect. So we're giving up our power. It's not just being taken And I think it's a really important thing to remember that it's, and it feels like it's being taken because it makes so much sense. I've got to avoid uh, my partner being angry or being critical of me. Mm -hmm. And so I think it'd be nice to move in just for a moment about what do we do about that? Like, what do we do? If you're thinking about your partnership and you think about, "Ah, I feel like I accommodate all the time and I feel like I have to accommodate Otherwise, I'm going to get this negative, fearful thing coming towards me. We really want to encourage people to stop and really think about their own experience of accommodation instead of just feeling like they're being bullied. And that being what would be so bad if I experienced criticism? How do I come to the table? Because... You can be either under the table and like, oh, I'm so scared. My partner's about to criticize my dishwasher and I have to move away. Right. Or I can get on the table and start screaming at you and you're so controlling and I can't take it. And either way, we're responding in a way that is more about uh, trying to get your power or or um, give it rather than how to be influential to each other. How do you sit at the table and go, hey, when you do this and it can't always be through the fluff talk. I know we can kind of get there through the fluff talk, but it, I'm saying also as listeners, how do you get in touch with what you're giving up and what you're scared of?
0: I love your, I love the table, right? Because under the table um, is either on eggshells, which is you're devaluing your own power and you're um, making the other person bigger than they really are.
2: Then or t- sometimes feeling victimized, like right. it, the, the whole dynamic is right. you're, you're dominating me. You're, you're dominating victim. me. You are mm-hmm. not a
0: victim, right? Like let's just tell the truth, people. Although at times you might listeners, be Listeners. That's let's let, let, we'll get that's a well, whole
2: other dialogue. There might be a time where right. you are and, under the table because and,
0: you're a and another reminder: we're not just talking about partnerships. We're talking about bosses. We're talking about mm-hmm. mothers. We're talking about children. Um, whoever that it is, but. Um, and going back to the debate, it makes me think of the challenge in in that situation where there really was active, um, aggressive intimidation techniques that were being used. And the challenge was sitting at the table and not being on eggshells and not standing on top of the table. Um, so even in situations like that, I still think the challenge is to stay in the middle and sit at the table and, um,
1: yeah. And, and I, negotiate
0: I, and, and hold yourself steady. Yeah. I
1: mean, most of the people we're talking about are not, you know, particularly in romantic relationships, aren't bullies. And, you know, so they're mad at you.
0: Right. Because we're <laughs> not talking about actual domestic violence and trauma situations in this particular episode. We no, might get to that in another episode. We're
1: talking about, you the know, perception, a much subtler right. exactly. mm-hmm. negotiation that goes on. And, and so... So sit at the table. Sit at the table and, yeah, maybe your partner gets mad on oh, gosh. you. That's right. They, they have want... the right to have their feelings That's a the good same thing. way you do. And then you talk. That's right. And the other thing is if you don't, a lot of what you see is sort of um, passive-aggressive. You know, somebody who doesn't want to have sex as often. Somebody who...
0: Um stops. Uh, yeah, they're going to pay for it one way or the other, right? That's right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and somebody who—it's uh, interesting. Some of the research on affairs um, around this is if somebody is in a relationship where they feel generally dominated, quite often, and a re- and somebody exerts basically their voice through more power and not very relationality, the other person does kind of disappear. They kind of emotionally, mm-hmm. physically become smaller because. In that sense, if you are complying out of fear rather than true value, um, you kind of shrink away. And the person that is being able to get you to behave because of the fear or dominance, you kind of know that. You kind of know that you're you're not actually getting a love, trusted response. You're getting a, a fearful response. And so they all of a sudden, when they you know you you control through domination. And your partner, all of a sudden, you're saying, oh, I have no passion. I have no passion. And then you can justify leaving the relationship because there is no passion. And you're not looking at your own culpability in it. Exactly.
0: So if we get back to the table for a second, we've talked about the person who is not in the kitchen needing to sit at the table and not leave that vacuum and kind of step up. But also the person the whirlwind that's, in, that's over-functioning in the kitchen, that's them standing on top of the table, right? That's their part, is that they've, they've filled the vacuum, And so then they end up being the dominatrix, (laughs) um, the control person. So if they can, if we can get them off the table or in this example that I was using, get myself off the table and hold the space of the vacuum and let the kitchen be messy or sit at the table and say, you know, what I need and my feelings about needing help in the kitchen and not uh, eggshelling like, oh, this is going to make this person feel really bad or, you know what I mean? Not doing my the, the busy person's version of eggshelling. So no eggshelling, no under the table, no above the table. So if the, then now we have two people that are sitting at the table. And if either one of you is not, the best pers- best way to get the other person to the table is to sit at the table, right? Right. Because if one person's on top, the other one's going to go under and vice versa. So if you really want mm-hmm. the other person to get off out from under the table or out from on top of the table – you yes, set it so table.
1: so much of this goes back to things we've talked about in other podcasts, and it's really about
0: slowing down,
2: mm-hmm.
0: slowing down, and getting um, our frontal cortex back online, and having the pause, installing the pause button, and connecting, and and recreating safety within ourselves, and recreating it in our close relationships.
2: Okay, so to sum up, so power inherently is not bad. Power's a wonderful thing, and we need personal power. We need power in a relationship. But if we're taking our power or giving it because we're taking it without influence or we're giving it without holding ourselves, then that's where power actually creates inequity in a relationship. It ends up creating rigidity and and lack of trust in that. And brain damage. And and brain damage. (laughs) And, and and power and influence in a relationship shared in an equal way where we're giving up decision-making in one area and giving it in the other, but it's through respect and we're changing our own thoughts because it's voluntary. That evokes compassion. It's now I'm, I'm wanting to give something to you because it's really important to you and I can really feel that. That evokes compassion and connection and i think that's the valuable way to think about the concept of being able to maintain your power and be influenced but so often we're scared of the influence and you know we've talked on a lot of other podcasts about why we might be afraid of influence and we can we can continue to talk about that at another time
1: so um come back and join us soon subscribe to our email list and subscribe on iTunes and if you want to rate our podcasts we'd love to hear from you also if you want to send us suggestions on topics take care
0: please sign up for our email list at www.therapistuncensored.com. We've got all kinds of goodies for you, including we will be releasing soon some courses so that you can do some more advanced work with us and a weekly meditation that we're going to be doing. um, That is going to be online and a really cool offering. Yeah. So that's going to be really neat, but you'll find out all of that through our email list. And also if you haven't yet, one of the things we're super excited about is our Facebook community because You know, if we're just talking to you, that's not promoting security, right? We really want to actually get all of you, all of our listeners, talking and interacting with one another and sharing things with one another. So it's very important to us that you get to meet and greet and speak with one another. So please, please join our Facebook online community. It's called Therapist Uncensored Online Group or Online Community. I can't remember actually. But just search us on Facebook, and it is a closed group. You can uh, get to us through our email list, and we will invite you to join. And especially you international listeners, we're very excited to hear from you and um, just make these connections from all over the world. We would love to hear, uh, get different resources, different apps, and, um, or sharing articles and creating chats and discussions about promoting security in ourselves and, and relationships. Thanks for listening. Therapist Uncensored is Ann Kelly, Patty Alwell, and Sue Marriott. Cameron Lindsay edits the show.